there was a kerfuffle behind me and I turned and at the last minute I saw the most ferocious face I've ever seen in my life and he screamed in my face, get the hell out of my race and give me those numbers. From outside, this is The Daily Rally. Short stories of resilience in the face of big challenges and unexpected adventures. Today, the story of a runner's legendary sprint past sexism at the Boston Marathon more than 50 years ago. After this. My name is Catherine Switzer. I grew up in the Washington, D.C. area. I started running when I was 12 years old. I had told my parents that I wanted to be a high school cheerleader the next year. And my father said, you don't want to do that. You want to have people cheer for you. You know, the game is, is not on the sidelines. The game's on the field. He said, you should run a mile a day and make the field hockey team in your high school. I ran a mile a day all that summer. And he was right. By the time autumn came around, I was one of the best players on the team, not because I had any skills, but because nobody could catch me and I never got tired. So that's when I fell in love with running. When I got to Syracuse University, there were no sports whatsoever for women. I was really gutsy because I had been playing sports and I had been running. I was running now up to three miles a day. And I went out and asked the men's track coach if I couldn't run on the men's cross-country team. And he was really shocked, and he said, no, it's against NCAA rules, but if you wanted to come and work out with the team, we wouldn't mind. And I knew he was lying, because when I closed his office door, I heard him burst out laughing to his colleagues and say, I guess I got rid of that one. So the pressure was on for me to show up. I showed up the next day. He was surprised. And the team was wonderful. All of those guys came running over to me and saying, you know, this is great. We've never had a girl out here before. And one guy in particular, his name was Arnie Briggs. He was 50. So, I mean, I was 19. So this guy was ancient. And he was kind of a volunteer manager. He was a really fine distance runner and, in fact, held and still held the New York State record in the marathon. He had run the Boston Marathon 15 times. And he took me under his wing and ran with me every day. So one night I told him I wanted to run the Boston Marathon, and he said, a woman can't possibly do it. And I said, what are you talking about? I had told him that a woman by the name of Roberta Gibb had actually jumped out of the bushes and run the Boston Marathon the year before. And he absolutely refused to believe it. And he said, no, you'd have to show me in practice. I don't believe any woman couldn't do it. So finally I said, okay, we're, we're on. So Arnie Briggs said, okay, you've got to sign up for the Boston Marathon if you're going to run this. I signed the entry form. I paid my $2.00. But I signed my name K.V. Switzer with my initials, and that's probably why the Boston officials accepted the entry, because they thought it was from a guy and not from a woman. 
I was so excited. Boston Marathon was in April, and I was going to wear the sexiest, cute shorts and top. They didn't have running clothes for women then, so I had dyed a pair of old shorts, and I had a maroon top to match. I looked really good. I was very proud of being a woman. I wasn't trying to disguise myself in the least. So I, I dutifully put on my earrings and my my lipstick and my mascara. And my boyfriend looked over at me because he came with us to Boston, and he said. You're wearing lipstick, and I said, "Of course, I'm wearing lipstick. I always wear lipstick." He said, "Take it off. They're going to see that you're a girl." And I said, "I want them to know I'm a girl. <laughs> This is, I'm not hiding here." And he said, "Oh, it might be a problem." I said, "There won't be a problem." The gun went off down the street. We went, and it was a problem because the press truck came by us. And they were going crazy, and they saw that I was in the race wearing bibs, and they started saying, "Oh, there's a girl in the race," and they started looking their program to read up my number, and they began taking pictures like crazy. We thought it was kind of cute, you know. There was Arnie and my boyfriend and the, and the guy from the cross country team and me, and we just waved at the press truck, and we thought it was our moment to say hi to our moms on the nightly news, you know. And then there was a. A kerfuffle behind me, and I turned, and at the last minute, I saw the most ferocious face I've ever seen in my life, right in front of my face. And this man grabbed me by the shoulders and spun me back, and he swiped at my front to try to rip my numbers off. And I jumped back, and I said, "Hey, hey!" And he said. Give me those numbers! Give me those numbers! And my coach suddenly started with, started to beat on him and said, "Leave her alone. She's okay. She's okay. I've trained her. Leave her alone." And he said, "You stay out of this." And he smacked my coach, and came back. And I turned to run, and he grabbed me by the the sweatshirt, was pulling me back, and trying to get the number off the back of my shirt. And then my boyfriend charged into the race director who was attacking me. And caught a beautiful shoulder charge and sent him flying out of the race. And my coach Arnie said, "Run like hell!" And down the street we went. I just felt a combination of profound embarrassment, profound fear, and also profound ambivalence. I didn't know if I should step off the course. Or I should continue running. And then, when I was alongside the press truck, they then followed me, and all the officials got incredibly aggressive. And the photographers and the journalists, what are you trying to prove? Why are you here? Are you a suffragette? Are you a crusader? What are you doing? You don't belong here. When are you going to quit? And then it became like a mantra: When are you going to quit? When are you going to quit? And I thought, they expect me to quit. They can't believe a woman is here seriously. And I said, I'm not going to quit. And I turned to Arnie, and I said, Arnie, I got to tell you something. I've gotten you in a lot of trouble now, and you can do what you want to do. But I'm going to finish this race, and I'm going to finish this race on my hands and my knees if I have to. I often say destiny is not some angel coming down and tapping you on the head at the perfect time. Destiny is finishing the job. Just put one foot in front of the other and get it done. 
And that's when destiny happens. The decision to finish the race was what I call my 261 moment. The moment that bib number I was wearing, 261, came to life. Who would ever have imagined that moment would have changed millions and millions of women's lives and changed my attitude and my perspective on everything and given me a vision that I couldn't possibly have imagined. To make the decision to finish changed my whole life. Since becoming the first woman to run the Boston Marathon as an officially registered competitor in 1967, Catherine Switzer has run more than 40 marathons. Catherine is also the co-founder of 261 Fearless, a global nonprofit organization that offers education and running opportunities for women around the world. Learn more at 261fearless.org. This story was produced by Carlo Rolando. We want to hear your stories. Please nominate the people in your life who found a way to rally. Go to outsideonline.com slash daily rally, where you can also see photos of many of our guests. The Daily Rally was created for Outside by me, Kat Jaffe, and House of Pod. The executive producer for Outside is Michael Roberts. Additional production and script editing by Marin Larson. Our audio editors are Kevin Seaman and Benny Beausoleil. And our music is composed by Louis Weeks. We appreciate our Outside Plus members who make this show possible. If you're not already a member, you can join us at outsideonline.com slash pod plus. Thank you for listening.